punch drunk. The punches weren't really necessary. Maybe. They were super necessary. Welcome to episode 29 of the Punch Drunk Podcast, your favorite combat sports podcast hosted by two dudes who can't fight and know way less about fighting than they think they do. I'm your host, Lewis. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Adam. And today we welcome into the Punch Drunk Podcast a very special guest for his first time. He is the MMA editor for The Score, Nick Baldwin. Nick, welcome to the show, man. Thank guys. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we really, we really appreciate you jumping on. It's always good to, to have someone on for their first time. You're actually only the third guest we've ever had on. We don't make a habit out of bringing guests on all the time. So uh, yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And we're super keen to chop it up as we look ahead to UFC 272, break down some of the fights and deal with some of the breaking news that has just come across the Twitter sphere, of course, broken by the one, the only, Ariel Hawani. But before we get into that, we just want to let our listeners know a bit more about you. We were just talking before we started recording. You're about to wrap up a four-year journalism degree. Uh, so congrats on that. But it must be pretty awesome to be, be working in the industry, covering a sport that you love before you're even out of school. It is. And I'm so lucky um, that I have been able to do that. Um, I got this job at the score when I was in second year and people in my position, like I'm two months away, four months, something like that away from graduating. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do, where they're going to, you know, how they're going to pay the bills, where they're going to work. And I mean, not to be all look at me, but I got that figured out and I'm, I'm lucky for that. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm grateful about that as well. Um, yeah, I, I guess just a bit about me. I started my own MMA blog back at this point, I think about eight years ago. Um, I was 13 at the time. I just, my, my dad was a big MMA fan. And as I got older, I fell in love with the sport uh, more so than him. And uh, I just started writing about it, writing about it more. And I started a bloody elbow, moved on to the score now. And uh, yeah, a couple years in, I was like, hey, maybe I can actually do this for a job, which is crazy. But um, so far, so good. So yeah, MMA is uh, used to be the hobby, and now it's uh, now it's just everything in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, just to say, Adam, we got uh, this is on me. We're gonna have to start vetting guests who come on because Nick just made me feel old as fuck when he was like, "Oh yeah, I just back then when I was thirteen, started my own like, oh my god, this is terrible." <laughs> Adam, Adam already makes me feel old on a, on a weekly basis when we do this show, but this is this is getting out of control. <laughs> You guys look young. Come on. <laughs> look at that. I, look at that. Making, making me feel good. All right. So you got into MMA because of your dad. So quick question here. Is, is there a particular fight or, uh, you know, a, a card or something that you remember vividly that was like, oh, shit, this is this has me in. This has got me hook, line and sinker. Yeah, the fight that I remember watching, like the first fight ever, was actually Alistair Overeem's UFC debut against Brock Lesnar. The first round TKO, obviously a big pay-per-view main event. I believe that was December 2011. And so 
I didn't fall in love with the sport right away. That's kind. That's the first fight I remember seeing. Um, that is what ultimately got me sort of excited and, and interested in sport. But it took a couple years for me to really get involved. Um, I remember like the first time being excited about a fight was when after that fight, Overeem was supposed to fight Junior Dos Santos. He ended up, he ended up uh, testing positive, and that fight never happened until a few years later. But that's when I first like got excited about a fight. Um, and then I guess fast forward to end of 2013, there was a big stretch of epic main events, GSB, Hendricks, Silva, uh, Weidman. What, what else was in there? Kane, JD, JDS three, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then Silva, Weidman three around that stretch is when I was like, this is really cool. Like these are all <laughs> exciting fights. This is awesome. And kind of from there is when I really fell in love and, and started to do this, um, you know, as more of a hobby. That's awesome. Uh, so I know, yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> and, and so I know you've got to stay objective in your profession. I know, you know, big J journalists and all of that, but is there a, a fighter you find yourself, you know, particularly fond of someone we could call maybe your favorite fighter or someone who, who you follow a little bit closer than the others? I mean, the, the easy answer is over him. Um, ever since that fight against Lesnar, he's been kind of my guy. Um, I will say, though, like the longer you work in MMA and sort of write about it and it's your quote unquote job, the less you care. Um, and I'm not just saying that, like, you know, back in the, you know, five years ago, I really got upset if over him got knocked out. <laughs> Nowadays, I mean, I know he's not fighting regularly anymore, but even the last time a couple of years ago, you know, it, it, it sucks, but, it, you know, you get over it a bit quicker. Um, he's, I'd say he's my guy. I have some other favorites or, or fighters I like to watch. Um, always been a big Yoel Romero guy, um, but Overeem was sort of the guy that got me hooked, and I was just sort of on his side the whole way. Yeah, man. Oh, it's something uh, we talk about this pretty regularly. Uh, you know, some of the outrageous physiques in in MMA. We like to call it the uh, the punch drunk rigged to scale, and uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Uberim is yes. is probably at the peak, just pure comic book, <laughs> horse meat eaten weapon. Up yeah. Just, yeah, just but just honestly, I mean, if, if everyone looked like that, get rid of testing. If all fighters could walk in and look like that, get rid of testing. <laughs> if if Overeem was Uberim forever, he would have been the pound for pound go. Like that, that's not even in question. He would have oh, been the best. His resume is outrageous. I I feel like. I don't know. He, he he was probably a little past his prime when he came to the UFC, I guess. And he'd done so much before he came into the UFC. And the fact that he was never able to to capture UFC gold, I think, is you know, it means he's a little bit underrated by fans. He he truly is one of the all time greats in the heavyweight division, but not just that in MMA, pound for pound. And for someone at heavyweight to to sort of have that resume and that reputation is is something really special. Don't forget though, Stipe tapped. <laughs> remember that always <laughs> um, Nick have you like given your job and um, everything you've sort of worked towards have you been in a position to be able to go to a few big UFC events and if so tell us your best story or the best event you went to or anything like that yeah 2018 2019 I went to a few um, since I started working to score it hasn't been as much of a priority I hope that changes and it sounds like it may but um, COVID didn't help either, but 2018, 2019, I went to a few, I would say the one that stands out the most, I went to the first Cormier Miocic fight, obviously huge. Um, I think one moment just from being there that stands out is we were, I think it was after the main event, after DC knocked him out to become the two division champ. 
uh, obviously that was when the DC Brock Lesnar thing happened. And I remember seeing Lesnar backstage, like from afar, but like he was just like towering over everybody and you could like feel his presence. And I don't even say that like jokingly, like you could feel that Brock Lesnar was like in your vicinity and it was really, really bizarre, but, um, or, or cool. However you want to look at it, I guess. But yeah, that, that's, uh, that's what stands out from that event. I'd say. Yeah. If anyone, if anyone is going to have an aura or someone whose presence you feel from a distance around them, it's going to be Brock fucking Lesnar. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Talk about physiques. He's, he's also up there in, <laughs> in the all time list of, uh, straight out of a Captain America cryo chamber. It's wild. I, I remember I, I was walking, I think, behind Mark Ramundi of ESPN, and he like asked Brock a question from afar, like, and Brock just walked by him, like, didn't, didn't, didn't address him, didn't look at him, nothing. It was like that's typical Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always playing the role of of Brock yeah. Lesnar. That's awesome. <laughs> it looks like he's um just of recent times Lesnar's like changed his whole persona. I'm not sure if it's just for WWE stuff, but like the last six months he's become the complete opposite to what he was to the media for like the his whole career really. He's become like this joker and talking. Yeah, like it's, I, it's crazy. You, you probably saw his interview with uh who is it, Pat Pat McAfee? Yeah, right? yeah, I did mm-hmm. say that. Like he just seemed like a cool guy. Like he he comes off as a guy who lives on a ranch in Saskatchewan, Canada, which he does. Yeah, he just seems like a guy you could go have a couple of beers with. But that was definitely not the Brock Lesnar of uh, of before. <laughs> Maybe all the Roy yeah, Rangers uh, died down. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, you know, it's it's the t- t- tapering off in his career. He's like, okay, I've actually got to be nice to the media, so they're gonna gas me up one last time to. Uh, <laughs> You know, to, to, to bring me in. Um, all right, that's, that's yeah, it re- really cool to get a little bit of background on, on your MMA history. And so you said, obviously, you're, you're a much bigger bigger fan than, uh, than than your dad at this point. Do you guys still get an, an opportunity to, to watch some fights together? Yeah, we do. Um, so he's back home in Winnipeg. I'm in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But whenever I'm back home, you know, it's kind of a tradition to watch the fights together. And, and he's not as big of a fan anymore. I mean, he's still a huge fan, but I, I think with him and with a lot of people and even me and, and to some degree is there's just so many fights and so many fighters these days, it is getting hard to keep up with them all. Um, yeah. So that's sort of his issue is just remembering who these guys are. He looks at, at a card these days. And again, this goes for a lot of people, I'm sure. And they know, you know, a few names and it's hard to get excited about that. But yeah, he still likes uh, watching MMA and that's sort of our thing when I'm back home. So you sound you just described Adam there basically. I always got to carry him with the re, with the reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, I got one more question uh, about you know, for, and then we're going to move move on to the to the event that we're all excited to talk about UFC 272. But obviously, there's been no bigger uh, like influence to the MMA scene in Canada than George Saint Pierre, and. Uh, then a bit of background. We do these uh, punch drunk history pods in between when there's a little downtime and we like to delve into the careers of the pioneers of MMA. We've done Brock, we've done Connor, we've done Ronda, we've done Anderson, and our listeners have decided through a Twitter poll that GSP is going to be the next guy. And so, in preparation for that, uh, I just you know wanted to hear your words as someone who's from Canada, who grew up in Canada. Sounds like you came into MMA at the maybe the crest. Of, of, of GSP mania or, or just afterwards, I know you were there for his, his retirement or initial retirement bout. So just a few words from your perspective as a Canadian on GSP's influence on the MMA scene in Canada. 
Yeah, I mean, if we're talking the influence that he had on the MMA scene here, I would say you can't get any bigger. Um, I mean, there's obviously the famous quote from Dana White, Canada's the mecca of, of MMA. And at the time when GSP was at his peak in, in defending the title, that maybe was true. Nowadays, not so much. Um, and, and, you know, we have all these fighters trying to be the next GSP. None have really come close. Um, but yeah, GSP is a legend and he I, I don't know if he's quite in that territory of like if we're talking about famous Canadians and famous Canadian athletes if non-MMA fans recognize him uh, as having that importance per se but for the MMA scene here as I said like you can't get any, any bigger I mean you have fighters you know up here in Canada growing up wanting to be like him you have I'm sure promoters who have just sort of seen him and and be influenced to put on events by his career and and yeah it's huge and um you were not going to get another gsp like i think roy mcdonald obviously his longtime training partner is the closest we've had but you know we, we you know we talk about like hakeem duwadu being the next guy back in the day elias theodoro and the fact of the matter is gsp is probably the best fighter of all time if not top three um so it, it's going to be tough for anybody to reach that level in canada yeah he set the bar high for MMA he fighters did, he did. globally, let alone uh, just just Canada, right? So yeah, a, a, yeah. whatever country he hailed, hailed from, uh, everyone else would find it very, very difficult to follow that path. Uh, that's, that, that's awesome. Thank you for that. So let's dive right now into 272. We're going to start with the main event. Uh, you know, a bit of a bit of a, a rarity from the UFC, non-title fight, uh, headlining a pay-per-view event, but we all know why we're here. This is a grudge match. This has got a backstory. This has got a rich rivalry, a hatred between the two fighters, Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington. We know why the UFC has made this fight. This is something that fans have been craving for for a while. We obviously thought we were going to get the ultimate fighter. That didn't come to be. So, Nick, let's just get your thoughts immediately on the fight. You can give us a pick if you want, but we just want to hear hear your thoughts on how you think this main event is going to go down on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I like the fight. Um, I don't feel like I'm as excited as a lot of people. I think the timing, like, it, it's, of course, a big fight because this is like a grudge match we've almost never seen before. These guys, as you know, we, we know the story at this point, but they're longtime teammates, best friends, used to live together, were sort of, wherever Colby went, Jorge followed or, or vice versa. And now they just hate each other. And I was kind of one of the people that thought like, is this just like a, a plan to make a big fight and get paid? But at this point, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think Colby would go out of the way to leave ATT or pretend to leave or, or what, what have you. Like, I think this, it, this is real. I, I really do believe at this point that Colby and Jorge do not like each other, do not, uh, are, are, are no longer friends to say the least. Um, I just feel like the timing is a bit off because we have Jorge Masvidal coming off the most humiliating loss of his career. And we have Colby coming off a loss. Now, granted, it was a close fight with Kamaru the second time around, so not that bad. But the fact of the matter is we have two Waltweights that are coming off losses and both have two losses of champs. So you got to wonder, like, title-wise, title like, how much does this fight matter? Mm -hmm. Um not a ton obviously these are still two of the top six in, in the division um so it's a big fight in that regard but it just the, the timing does feel a bit off with them coming off the losses having said that the fact that this is such a grudge match grudge match um totally 
makes that not really matter. Like th- we're not tuning in because this is the next challenger for Usman or because this is the number one guy. We're tuning in because these guys hate each other and are going <laughs> to beat the crap out of each other on Saturday. Um, and so in that regard, I'm excited. Like I, I, I think people should watch. I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty interesting fight. I think Masvidal actually can make it closer than than a lot of people think. Um, and and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much their hatred towards each, each other translates into sort of the action and, and the violence of the fight. Yeah, for sure. I I kind of agree with you that I'm not as excited as like the public seems, I don't think, but I think what I'm keen for is Mas- if Masvidal wins, I think that just makes this like a, a an epic fight. But if Covington wins and wins the way everyone thinks he's going to win, it's going to make it even more of just like a, that was kind of pointless. Why did we even see that? like WWE style fight, but if, Ma- if Masvidal upsets, this would just be, this will go down as like a, an epic, I reckon. Yeah. And if Masvidal wins, then I think not right away, but that just, it, it feels like because he's the underdog, you can sort of push for a rematch more. So like if Covington just goes in there, 50, 45, him, I think we're done here. I think Ma- Masvidal is probably like fairly irrelevant at that point in the yeah. division. But if Masvidal wins, then you, like at least can sort of have that discussion about another title fight. Like we'll see if Usman moves up or if Chimaev beats him or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like th- this is a huge fight for both guys, but I think especially for Maswell, just because this is a guy whose stock has plummeted since that Usman knockout loss, like more so than it really should have grant given yeah. the fact that he's lost to the pound for pound King who has beaten everybody. <clears throat> Um, including Covington twice. So this is this is big for Maswell. If he loses, he's not, I mean, not only is he not getting a title shot, but he's not getting any sort of top contender match for a while. But if he wins, that superstardom we saw in 2019, that all comes back. Like Jorge Maswell will be one of the biggest stars again if he beats Colby Covington, but that's a big ask. Yeah, it's easy to forget the levels that Jorge Reach. I mean, he was on the fucking cover of USC 4 with Israel Adesanya. Like, he yeah. was one of the guys in the UFC. And, it, yeah, it certainly does feel like his star faded. That's going to happen when you get absolutely iced by Usman in the, in the way that he did. And I think you're absolutely right in the way you describe it. It sort of feels the timing is a bit off. It doesn't feel quite right. And I think that really speaks to the dominance of Usman in the division, right? We've got two guys who are by any measure, two of the absolute top guys in their weight class, both with two losses on their resume to the current champion. So this this really only feels like it has grudge match stakes. I still feel both of these guys are a couple of wins away from getting themselves back into a position with a, with a, a trilogy fight with Usman. I think that's quite difficult to sell. I think Colby's always going to be easier to sell because they were closer. He's able to you know sell his whole persona, his personality. I'm a little bit down on Jorge Masvidal being a you know a, a, a big proponent of the English MMA scene. He did Leon Leon Edwards dirty as well, I think, uh, pulling pulling out of that fight with a, a, an alleged injury to, to sign on the dotted line with Covington uh, soon after. So I think we'll see Kamara Usman against Leon in the summer when his hand is healed, obviously. And it seems, hopefully, we get Gilbert Burns versus uh, uh, versus Chumayev as well, which. You know, I think if Chimaev wins that fight, he's he is nailed on for the next title shot. So uh, we might not see even if Covington or um, Masvidal wins this weekend. I think it'd be well into next year before we see them fight for the title again, unless Kamaru Usman, as you said, decides to 
move up a weight class, given his relationship with Israel Adesanya, I, I don't see that happening. Um, get, see that happening anytime soon. But Nick, you did say you think Masvidal is getting written off by sort of the fans. Are you picking him for the upset, or do you think it's going to be closer? You think Covington will have enough in his locker to get the job done? I think it is going to be closer. I'd be surprised. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if this is Covington 50-45 just because, you know, that's kind of typical Colby Covington when he's not fighting Kamaru Usman. But I think the rounds can be competitive. Like, we forget Masvidal is a very good striker, and Covington is too. But Masvidal, if we're talking like pure striking boxing match, Masvidal probably has the edge. Um, And then wrestling-wise, Covington obviously is superior, but we forget Jorge does have a pretty good wrestling base himself. Um, I just think the cardio and the pressure of Colby is going to what is going to be what gets it done for him. I think over five rounds he can just outwork Masvidal. I think uh, Masvidal might be looking for the bigger shots, but Covington is going to be landing with more consistency. He's going to be landing more often um, and, and just uh, you know beat him down the stretch for a decision. Fairly clear, but more competitive than a lot of people are giving Masvidal credit for. It's crazy yeah. how um, how quickly a, like a, a highlight KO can rise your stocks like obviously the um masvidal and asker and ko and then how quickly a, a, a highlight ko can just plummet your stock as well at the same time I it's know. like i blame fucking i think it was uh one of masvidal's coaches poured a bottle of water on his head before he went out for that um round when he got knocked <laughs> yeah. out and it's like if you hadn't have poured that bottle on his head that photo would have been 10 percent as good as it fucking was with just the water splattering everywhere all over the fucking canvas all over the cage so yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, I, I feel like he's probably plummeted a bit more than he should have, but I'm also thinking Covington just gets it done. He's just a pro. Oh, I, I'm going with Covington as well, and I think it's you know going to be a, a twinge of irony, I guess, or whatever, but that there was a clip that came out in uh, the UFC countdown episode where Masvidal's walking out with Covington, he's gassing him up, and he's like, you're the cardio king, no <laughs> one's got better cardio than you. I'm like, yeah, oh, hey, you're, that's, that's about to be displayed to the world. I think he's just got that crazy longevity, and that cardio and endurance is something which has served him well because he has got really great durability. He's got a second lung. A lot of people, <laughs> he, he does have a second lung. He Did does have a second lung. For someone who's so sharp, for someone who's so sharp <laughs> on the microphone, that was a that was a bit of a cock up by Colby. But yeah, I think, so I think, I think that's a clean sweep from the three of us here. We are picking Colby, but yeah, I, I really hope we see a competitive fight. I hope we don't see just a 50-45. Colby takes him down, uh, does a bit of ground and pound. So yeah, uh, that would be ideal to see a very competitive I think I want Masvidal to win, though, just because chaos, mayhem, and unpredictability is why the UFC... We always root for chaos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of that, real quick, do do we Ironically, Colby Chaos coming to... Yeah. (laughs) Do we think the UFC cares to win? Like, with both of them having two losses tomorrow, it's not like either one of them is going to be moving into that title fight anytime soon, but, like... Do, do they think like Masvidal could be that star again and sell them a bunch of pay-per-views? Do they want to get rid of Covington? Like, do you, do, do we think they care? That's a great question. I, I think they probably want Jorge to win because he's been that absolute star. They could maybe repurpose something with the BMF belt, something, maybe get, you know, get one of the Diaz brothers involved. I don't know. I just feel like there's more avenues there. I feel like they, you know, once, uh, Kamara vacates. I feel they've already got their welterweight champion waiting in Chimaev, uh, ready to go. So uh, I, I personally think the UFC would prefer to see Jorge when they can do they can do bigger 
less important title pitcher fights um, with, with him, more fun, more spectacle fights. Whereas I just don't think you get that with Colby. You get you get that uh, interest because of his his shit talk, but it's all about coming for the belt. It's not about his exciting style making the fight entertaining to the masses. Uh, I'm yeah. going to let Nick answer that whole question that you asked because I feel like you've got an answer for it. <laughs> no, I mean, I was more so just curious because I, I think it is kind of interesting because, uh, as I said, both like it, it, there, there's no obvious answer because like Covington has lost twice to Kamaru, Masvidal, the same thing. Both guys are in similar spots. But I, I tend to agree with Lewis that Masvidal is the bigger name. Um, so if, if they can sort of suck any last life out of him in terms of pay-per-view buys, they're going to want to do that. Um, but I guess that kind of feels like what this fight is because we're all picking Covington. He's a big favorite. That just feels like they're they're trying to get the last last few pay-per-view buys out of Jorge before he calls it quits because, I mean, he's 37. Like, he's almost done. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think they care too much, but I, I suppose if Dana could, like, pick or choose, he'd probably go Jorge. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, all right, let's move on to the, well, what was the co-main event? Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos against Rafael Fiziev. Formerly, it was supposed to headline a fight night that it was pushed back because of visa issues. And unfortunately, as reported by Ariel Hawani on the MMA Hour, just before Fiziev has tested positive for COVID and he is out of the fight. The UFC is scrambling. A few names have been thrown into the hat, including Hanato Moicano, who recently just starched Alexander Hernandez in a, in a really, really excellent performance. Uh, Islam Makachev's name has been thrown into the, into the ring as well because of his dominant performance. Didn't take any damage. That could easily be done. And a left-of-field cont- name has also emerged. We've seen it before. Just for the fun of it, this is what I want most, because, but... Really, I think we need to see RDA versus Islam. But Paul Felder put out a bit of a cryptic tweet. Would he be willing to do this at 170 on less than a week's notice once again? Uh, so, yeah, Nick, <laughs> obviously, put, put it, putting aside the obvious disappointment, because I think everyone was looking forward to this fight. This really was an up-and-comer in the division against a battle-tested former champion with an absolute murderer's row resume. What do you think the UFC is going to do? And what do you want the UFC to do in this replacement? Because they've said they're going to find a replacement. God knows what the UFC is going to do because it's just always so unpredictable with them. But I I suspect it it might be like a Hinata Moicano. That seems like sort of a happy medium. He said he wants to fight. He's a big enough name. Um yeah, that might be sort of the best option. I would love if if Makashev stepped up. Like that'd be crazy. I mean, this is a fight we've all wanted to see. This is a fight that has been uh, scheduled to happen twice, maybe three times now. Makashev and RDA. That is, um, and that's sort of like the top ten, top five guy that everyone wants Islam to fight. So I mean, it'd be perfect. But I really don't think Islam Makashev is going to fight in twice in two weeks. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think the Paul Felder's fight going to happen. We, we we saw that before. I don't I don't think Dana White or anyone else, including myself and you guys, are are clamoring to see it. There'd be chaos, and you guys said you like chaos, so I'd, I'd be <laughs> down for that. But um, I suppose Hanato Maikano, um, Armin to I, I I always butcher his last name. Armin, the guy that the hot prospect yeah. that won over the weekend. I think that'd be a, a great matchup, a great uh, option. But he said that he isn't available. Um, 
yeah, of the guy, of the few people who have sort of thrown in the hat, I would say Mokano makes it more sense. But in the next few hours before they do find a replacement, maybe there's someone else that makes even more sense that I'm just not thinking about. Right, right. Ads? I want to, like, yeah, what I want to say is Lum, for sure. That's exactly (laughs) what I want to say. But what will happen? I I, I have no idea. I, I who knows? Can I can I intervene for just a second? So two minutes ago, Islam Makhachev tweets out 170. Let's do it. We have unfinished business, RDA. So Ooh. we'll see. That we'll could be see. real because that that sort of uh, takes the air out of the bullet. That like, sells another I was fucking three hundred thousand pay per views. That that changes a lot. Yeah. So I was just about to say, I know he's confident, but Islam has a hell of a lot to lose if he takes this fight on short notice now i know he he won't have to cut a huge amount of weight and he'll be very very confident but he's essentially after that performance nailed on undeniable for the next title shot Uh, you know at 155 putting the conor mcgregor roadshow to the side here he's already been put out as like a plus 300 plus 350 uh, sorry minus i always get the uh the uh, American odds confused. The uh, the mi- minus three hundred, minus three fifty favorite over Charles Oliveira, who's about to fight Justin Gaethje. He's he's he is the heir apparent, and he doesn't need money. He's going to be well looked after. He seems, seems like he's got a lot to lose, but I also feel he would gain a ton of fans and a ton of respect. Which for the mainstream audience, he's still sort of not captured despite this absurd winning streak on despite his dominant performances despite his first round finishes and people are still like yeah he boring everyone oh he's only everyone wants him to lose still every fight he's in everyone's like i hope he fucking loses i hope he gets knocked out if he takes this fight and wins it no one will ever want that again they'll be like i fucking love this guy this guy Uh, have you been on mma twitter adam (laughs) i guarantee i guarantee if it it doesn't matter he could he could he could you know spinning uh you know backfist charles Oliveira and send him into the shadow realm where people like yeah is he he's still boring because people have decided that's that's the mold he's in Nah, but i mean if uh, he takes this fight on short notice and does like a and wins it convincingly i feel like he's get he's get some sort of feel i feel i feel people you people don't change their minds as easily as you think but uh yeah uh, nick that's a great little piece of breaking news those guys at 170 Let's be honest, they're both 155ers. The weight doesn't matter. RDA doesn't have to go through a brutal weight cut. Islam can't get back to 155 again. It's just not going to be healthy. I don't think anyone's going to sign off on that if that's the case. So, yeah, it makes it makes the most sense. The heart in me, I just love Paul Felder. Uh, he's, one of my, <laughs> he's one of my favorite fighters. I love him in the booth. And one little nugget, I think he slipped out during his retirement sort of speech or announcement. He just signed a new contract with the UFC, and he said it's big. He said that is a heavy contract. And I'm sure they would make it even worth as well again. And, you know, I just like seeing fighters get paid. He said he's been training. His cardio is going to be absurd. He's doing triathlons. I would love to see that. Like you said, we've seen it before. I don't think. I don't think. The rematch we've all not been waiting for. Not been waiting for. But sometimes we peasants don't know what we need in life. We need the (laughs) UFC to tell us in a nice little promo cut up put together in two days time that we, you know, that we, that we need. Yeah. So I think we agree. Islam would be, would be a great fight to make. Um, and broadly, the UFC does a great job at delivering on things, so maybe that is going to happen. Um, so let's move on to the other fights, though, because we don't have anything concrete yet on that, but it is fun to talk about. And uh, Edson Barbosa versus Bryce Mitchell. This has just got old-school vibes written all over it. Two absolute contrasting styles. We have an absolute 
kickboxing wizard with the nastiest leg kicks, a highlight package that's just out of this world with knockouts. And then we've got a grappler with uh, an incredible twist of submission on his resume. Uh, just, just an absolute wizard on the ground. Someone who doesn't look like a fighter. He just looks like the, you know, redneck country boy that he is who scraps in the in the parking lot of the bar on a night out. But Bryce Mitchell is legit on the ground. And these this, you know, contrasting style matchup has got me real excited because we know exactly what's going to play out inside the octagon in terms of what each fighter is going to be trying to do, who's going to be able to do it. So, Nick... How do you see this fight unfolding? I have no idea. Like this, this <laughs> is a really tough one to call. Um, I've always been an Edson Barboza believer, maybe more than a lot of people, or maybe more than I should be. Um, I, I've always kind of looked at him as a guy that, you know, in the right place, right time, could have been a champ, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But down at 145 against such a crafty up and comer like Bryce Mitchell, who the heck knows? Like if Mitchell, if his takedown game and grappling game isn't up to snuff as much as it needs to be. Maybe Barboza does keep it standing and wins, but at the same time, I, I easily could see Mitchell getting him down, getting a submission. Um, Barboza has been cho- cho- choked out before. I know it's not necessarily like a, a, a big issue he faces, but it's happened. Um, I, I think I was leaning Barboza before, but I'm going to go Mitchell. I, I, I think he just stylistically is able to get him down, wear him, wear him out. Uh, as a younger guy, fresher guy, um, cuts less weight. I think he's going to uh, either just grind him out for a decision or find that sub. Uh, I'm the same. I, I think I want to see Mitchell win as well. Like, if the um, RDA fight didn't get, oh, I guess it's not cancelled yet. But if Fizier was actually fighting, I kind of saw these two as like these two fights as like really similar fights, like the 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 old well-known dude versus the up-and-comer. And it was kind of like if both the up-and-comers win, it's kind of just would have been a real quick changing of the guard and like like a yeah. new generation starting like, you know, overnight. So that's probably been delayed a little bit. But I think I want to see Mitchell win. He's like such a character too, so unique. And those are the guys that turn into superstars in the UFC if they can perform um, in the octagon. Having said that, who doesn't love Barbosa? I fucking love him. He's just so yeah. talk about the Ricker yeah. scale. He's not a giant, yeah. but fuck me, he's shredded. <laughs> Holy shit, he's shredded. Zero point one percent body fat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I want to see Mitchell win. He's just I don't know. Reminds me of uh, the uh, rural country Victorian days, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Complete moron, though. Complete moron. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. You know, yeah, I think so. But I also I feel I think he's. I think he's smarter than he lets on, and I think he's leaning leaning into a bit of his his stereotypes because that's going to bring a big fan base for him, and that's going to get clicks on his name wherever he goes. Maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wanting to give him a bit more credit, uh, but I don't know. I feel that someone who is that adept and incredible at grappling has got to have something going on between the ears because it is such a mental act as well. And you know, look at the guy; he's hardly the most athletic, explosive dude when you look at his physique. So you know, maybe, maybe I'm just giving him a little bit of credit. But m- yeah, no doubt, if he gets this, this this fight to the ground, it's curtains. He's gonna he's gonna submit Barbosa. That will be the battle. Can Barbosa control the distance? Can he mangle him up with strikes from the outside? Can he navigate the angles well and can you know land that punch to to, to put away Mitchell? So yeah, that that's gonna be a real interesting one. But I'm with you guys i'm gonna i'm gonna lean with with bryce mitchell as well i think he can i think he can get it done the younger guy and whilst he's only been i believe submitted twice barbosa isn't 
what you would say a decorated grappler. Uh, you know, he's 37 years old, and you know, please don't take this the wrong way. He's only a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which, you know, Brazilian coming up, spent a lot of time training. You think at this point in his life, if he'd really focused on it, he 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 would have a black belt by now. Um, which you know, it really doesn't doesn't mean isn't the be all, be all and end all, but I think that's you know maybe a bit of an indicator that he 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 may struggle on the ground here against Bryce Mitchell. If it but goes that way. let me just say this: Bryce Mitchell has not fought someone like Edson Barboza. Beating no. beating Andre Feely and Charles Rosa, as good as Bryce Mitchell has looked, does not mean you can necessarily beat a top ten guy like Barboza. Um, so stylistically, this might be tough for Edson, but at the same time, if he just tears up Mitchell with leg kicks. Not going to be the most surprising thing I've ever seen. That's a great point. That is that is a uh, that is a great point. This is a huge step up in caliber of opponent, in the experience of the opponent is he'll face, the craftiness, the toughness, all of those things. So yeah, that's that's what makes this so compelling for me because yeah, like I said, we know what each fighter is going to be trying to do. There's going to be no surprises, and yet I'm still compelled to watch this because there are all of those factors that we have that I we think, have talked um, about. If you just go off betting. I feel like Barbosa is more value than Mitchell because Mitchell's like a dollar sixty-four. I don't know how to convert that to uh, American odds, <laughs> but um, I feel like I that's that a little bit he's too a short. Minus if I had to bet I on it, I'd get on the. On I think the, that means uh, he's a minus one sixty-four favorite. I think. I think that's roughly how that works. But I'm don't don't quote me on that. I was told there would be. I was told there would be no math. If we're sorry to cut you off, mate, but like mm. I think. Um, Mitchell being a bit of a moron is something we are going to have to have to ignore because if we start worrying about fighters being morons, we're probably going to have to cancel this pod because half of you see battles. But um, you know who else are morons? The, the two hosts of this podcast. <laughs> we can't I was just talk. about to say, I, I was going to say, have you heard of you know the pot calling the kettle? Talking about idiots who have no business doing what they're doing. That would be that would be you and me. Um, all right, uh, another fight that's. Got, again, got me intrigued because he's making his welterweight debut. Uh, Kevin Holland moving down against Cowboy, uh, the Brazilian Cowboy, uh, uh, Oliveira. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I think Kevin Holland gets this done quite easily. Bigger guy. Uh, Oliveira's dropped three in a row. It's just, um, but I'm still excited to see. It. I want to see what you know what Kevin Holland's size advantage looks like down uh, down here uh, welterweight. So yeah. Very much looking forward to this fight. Oliver always brings it. Exciting guy, fan favorite. Kevin Holland as well. Uh, yeah, uh, really looking forward to this one. Nick, do you have any, do you have any takes on this, on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, as you said, Kevin Holland's a clear favorite. I, I just think he has uh, more in the tank at this point. Cowboy Oliver has been around for a while, taking a lot of damage, getting up there in age. Um, mm-hmm. And as you said, Kevin Holland is bigger. Um, I'm curious to see how he looks at 170. He's been there before, so I, I imagine no issues on the scale. He's, a, he's Oh, he has been there before. That's my mistake. I, I think before before the UFC, pre-UFC ah, days, okay. a, a few times. Um, so issues on scale probably won't happen. Always come in underweight at 185. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess you never know. Something to keep an eye on anyways. Um, yeah, I, I think Kevin Holland will look good. Um, I think it'll be a striking f- a fight for the most for the most part. Um, and I think this is probably Holland's weight class. If he's going to make a run, um, it's against the smaller guys that can't take him down as easily and sort of just stay on top of him as easily. And yeah, we'll see if this does, uh, turn into a bit of a run at 170. I'm not sure. I mean, Kevin Holland, I think is good. He's not great, 
but he can become great. Uh, we'll see if this is a sort of that. Yes, certainly got the striking tools and, and the athletic profile to be able to to really to really get on on a run here. Ads, what's your thoughts on this one? I think Holland easily. Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I, I, I can't I think, add any more than Nick just added. There's no way yeah. I can go more in depth than that. So I'm just going to say that. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd like to see it, and I want to see him continue inviting trolls into the gym and beating the ever loving piss out of them. That's uh... <laughs> that's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. That's right. Good content. <laughs> good, good, good content. Yeah, I'm just going to get it, Kevin Holland. Be like, hey, man, will you fly me over from Hungary? I'm prepared to eat <laughs> shit hard as long as you let me wear a Pondstrom podcast T-shirt while you execute me. Any retweet. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, just talk shit in the DMs and uh, he'll fly you out no problem. Yeah, it seems, it seems like he's 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 now got a pretty low threshold uh, for that. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm I'm ready to die. I need a holiday anyway. <laughs> you just need a good smile seeing me get my head caved in by Kevin Holland. Ought to do it. Um, all right, there's obviously plenty of other good fights going on this card. We've you know. A lot is being talked about the bout order, who deserves to be where. we got Greg Hardy going against Sergey Spivak. I'm not going to dive into a great deal on that, or we can just say, let's light a, uh, let's have a prayer circle that Greg Hardy gets knocked out again. Uh, but, but we've got um, Yan Zhaonan against Marina Rodriguez, which seemingly is going to be a number one contender fight for uh, a, a meeting with Rose Namunas down the line. She is in the works, conversation, uh, you know, going to... Um, have a fight with Carla Esparza, try to avenge that loss. Both of these women's last losses, uh, Marina Rodriguez four fights ago, Jeanne her last fight, lost to Carla Esparza as well. So this really does have a proper feel to a number one contender eliminator fight in the division. Marina Rodriguez has looked really excellent in her last three fights. Just very, very impressive. Um, technically excellent standing up. She was able to uh, neutralize Mackenzie Dern's takedown efforts and survive survive you know her jujitsu so yeah really excited for this and I, i'm leaning with marina rodriguez in in this particular matchup and would like to see her technical striking ability against rose namunas down the line yeah um i i think that's sort of the the fight uh on the prelims that everybody should watch honestly should be on the main card um there's no 100%. reason there's no reason greg cardi and, and sergey spivak and really holland and Oliveira too um, need to be on the main card. Maybe it will be bumped up, depending if Dos Anjos stays on the card, which it sounds like he will. He has enough mm -hmm. uh, guys who, who want to fight him. But, uh, yeah, th that's the fight to watch in the prelims. As you said, number one contender fight, especially if Rodriguez wins. Um, if it's uh, Jauno and Yan, then maybe not as much, just because she just lost to Esparza. But um, Marina Rodriguez is one of the most underrated fighters in women's MMA right now. And uh, I think she probably does get it done. I think that that actually will be a close fight. I'm surprised that uh, Yan is as big of an underdog because stylistically, I think she could uh, grapple Rodriguez, bully her a bit um, and, and upset her. But I'll go Rodriguez. Um, beyond that, I don't know if you want me to keep going. Umar Nurmagomedov is on the card. Mm -hmm. This guy could be the next Khabib. I think, uh, you know, I think he's going to beat Brian Keller with ease. I love Brian Kelleher, but... Yeah, 13 he's a huge versus, dog as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're fighting a Nurmagomedov who's undefeated, you're probably not winning. So, <laughs> does it? You know, nothing yep. against Brian. It's, it's just he probably beats almost everybody in the Bantamweight division. So, good pilot. Uh, I'm excited to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, except it's like what minus eight hundred something ridiculous. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see the uh, the next Nurmi back in the UFC or back in the octagon. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Just just on that, you just said you know we think this this should be on the on on the main event, and I have no insight. Maybe you have a a better working theory than I do. But I assume Kevin Holland is earning pretty decent wedge from the UFC. I know Greg Hardy would be as well, considering he's like a big crossover star. Or whatever. Do you think the UFC puts these guys on the ma- the the reason why they put them up over, I guess, more deserving fighters? These uh, two women who are number one contender fight in the division because they just need to try and sell those pay per views to justify the salaries that are paying these guys. Do we? Is that sort of the the reasoning we think that goes into it? That might be it. Um, if anything, it's just that Kevin Holland, uh, you know, with his five win campaign in 2020, and then the sort of main event uh, fights and, and the weird no contest in 2021. Like he is, I mean, he's certainly not a star, but he's a notable fighter. He's a right. relatively well-known fighter at this point. So even though that fight doesn't mean nearly as much to the Walter Wade division as Rodriguez and Jonah and Yan does to the Strawweight division, um, often we just see sort of these fights that are going to, um, you know, be more exciting. Like I think Holland Oliveira probably could be an exciting fight where Rodriguez Jan, I mean, while it's a great matchup, is that going to be fight tonight? Maybe not. It, it could be, but probably less likely. So I just think, um, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a recipe to their pay-per-view uh, lineups. I mean, you have Greg Hardy on there. Like, clearly, like, this is a guy that isn't UFC caliber, but he's still a name. Like, I, I think that's the idea that they're going for with pay-per-views nowadays. Yeah. Um, they're trying to sell these as much as they can. And if we're being honest, Kevin Holland's probably going to sell more than Marina marina rodriguez even if that's not that fair yeah yeah no that that that's a great point um yeah so in in terms of the card for for the pay-per-views we always like to put together the so-called punch drunk parlay now i warn you nick none of these have ever come in for us we've been close <laughs> i think nearly every single one has has, has fallen down on, on on one leg they've we've had some pretty some pretty brutal losses but you know, I'm feeling well. I was feeling good about this one. I've just realized that one of the legs was yeah. Kazeev, so we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to remove him, and I'm gonna replace it. We're not gonna be able to give you the the, the full odds because they they aren't quite out yet. So we always try to go four or five legs, uh, starting with, of course, uh, Umar Nurmagomedov. Uh, I think that's just free money, albeit. Uh, very, very little money that you're going to win by staking that. But we rolled, do curse rolled into any fucking short yeah. favorite like that. So he's probably that is up true. For his that first is true. If anyone, if anyone can destroy his his uh, undefeated record in the UFC, yeah, that that would be down. So <laughs> Adam, um, we uh, we're good. Kevin Holland. Uh, I really like Dustin Jacoby. I think he's a I think he's a hell of a fighter. I, I'm throwing him. He's my pick into this parlay. I've also gone. Marina Rodriguez as well. And Adam, I don't know if you agree with this. I'm going to put you on the spot here, but given we need a late replacement, I'm just going to throw in there that Sergey Spivak and Greg Hardy won't go the distance and just say that fight will not go the distance. Two fat dudes throwing absolute that, yeah. hammers. Uh, if, if you agree, we can make that the last leg of the punch. What, what I want fight. to happen is if fucking Greg Hardy manages to get a KO and win this fight, I want it to go full WWE and you hear Cindy Lauper starts playing. Taito Vasa sprints out from backstage and just knocks Greg Hardy out. And starts doing <laughs> shoeys, and that is how we kick off the pay per view. That is what needs to happen if Greg Hardy wins. If he doesn't, it's all good. Yeah, 
That 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 should be a clause in 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 all of Greg Hardy's fights. If you win, time might time might come out of nowhere and just knock you out again. So beware. You just you decide you decide how you want to perform, Greg. You better be ready. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so yeah, that that is our punch drunk parlay. They've they've never come in before. Um, do you do you get an opportunity to 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 wager on fights much? Is that something you're into, or do you try to keep a an objective perspective and not let your your wallet? Uh, sway your T- mind take a beating is what you're saying uh, <laughs> yeah exactly that's what usually, I, I i don't i don't usually like i did a while ago and then i stopped because i just as, as many bets as i won eventually i lost all the money i put into my account and i was like is that, Screw is this. that why is that why your parents sent you away from Winnipeg? you lost <laughs> <laughs> they lost your you lost their house they're like son it's time to go yes um <laughs> That, that's exactly it. How did you know? Um, <laughs> Don't give my parents any no. ideas. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's funny though. Time. Like, it, it's funny though. Just uh, I don't know. A couple couple uh, cards ago, I did like this big parlay, like nine over unders, and eight of them hit. And I was like, oh my god! It's always but the last one. It's always the last one. Um, yeah, I don't bet too much. Um, if I could contribute, I, I would say Nurmagomedov, great. I mean, for the parlay, like he's expensive, but it's going to cash, so you might might as well take him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the under on Hardy and Spivak. Uh, I, I guess Spivak could just take him down and grind him out, but probably not. Probably would just get the submission if that happens. Um, I think Covington is probably a decent parlay. A leg as well. Um, yeah, true. Hey, if if Islam Makashev shows up, maybe toss him in there as well. That's yeah, that's a great point. So this makes no sense whatsoever, and it's just kind of like with with the main event. I just for me, and I think Adam feels the same. We want the parlay to be done one way or another by that point. It's just yeah, like, all right, fair, I fair. I just want to sit and enjoy the five rounds <laughs> now and just watch the fight without my wallet pulling my mind really it means we want to sit and be miserable for the main event (laughs) because it always fucking loses (laughs) because we've literally 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 never won yeah so that's that's how it goes that's how it goes we lost Um, in the first leg last last pay-per-view it's like the second fight of the night thanks Thanks, Blood Diamonds. Yeah, we. I was so, oh, I was no. so confident. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it was like naivety. I was just getting gassed up because he was Izzy's training partner. I still maintain if uh, your man hadn't rolled his ankle running around the cage, something, you know, maybe something would have gone differently. But anyway, let's let's let I that mean, go before I get upset. To be fair, betting on someone whose name is Blood Diamond not always the the worst idea. Like, yeah. That's what I thought. Thank I mean, you, his name's Blood Diamond. I was like, this man's undeniable. Come on now. <laughs> I can get some sleep tonight then. <laughs> Coldest, nick- coldest nickname in MMA. All right. Uh, we're, we're, we're close to wrapping things up here in this episode. Just a little little nugget that dropped on the timeline and just a bit of feel-good news. Uh, he gets a lot of flack on the on the Twitter sphere, but he seems like he is the most liked person in the entire organization, and that is smiling Sam Alvey, despite not having a win in his previous eight bouts, has been informed by the UFC that he will, in fact, be allowed to fight out the remaining fight on his contract my God, I hope he wins and is able to get like another, somehow get another deal with the UFC. I highly doubt that you happens. You should fight him. <laughs> why, are you, why are you trying to get my head caved in by fighters, man? Like, Hey, you, you might have a I'm... chance against Sam Alvin. I'm just saying. Ah, come on. <laughs> yeah, like if we remove Sam I, I hope Sam, Sam, Sam Al- isn't listening because I love the guy. Oh, he's a listener. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and I, I just, yeah, yeah, of course. Sam Alvey is day, day one subscriber to the Punch Drunk podcast. Of course he would be. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, in, in, you know, we're getting into an age now. 
I, you know, and rightly so, where there's a lot of talk about fighter pay and, and, and fighters knowing their worth and holding out for the right deal. There's something to be said about a guy who turns up, no questions asked, steps in at short notice, takes any fight that's offered to him, does it with a smile on his face, treats people in the right way. And you know, the UFC has said time and time again, no one has got a bad word to say about Sam Alvey. And yeah, it might not work out for everyone and some fighters who go on a skid get cut. But it's clear that the way he's conducted himself and the way he's treated uh, his employer and, and, and the people around in the UFC has done him well here. So I'm just happy to see him get a, get a good payday. And he said, he said that throughout his losing streak, the UFC has continued to re-up his contract. So, you know, I know I know a lot of guys are underpaid. It doesn't sound like Sam Alvey is considering he hasn't won, but he he continues to get those checks. So, uh, yeah, that was just something I, I wanted to raise as, as a final, I guess, bit, bit of news on, on, on the show here. Uh, but Nick, I'm going to kick it back over to you now. If there's anything else you wanted to talk about uh, quickly on, 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 on this card, uh, anything coming up in the future that you're looking forward to seeing, or, or really just give yourself a, a shout out, a plug. Let us know what you guys have got going on over at the score in your MMA department there. Really, the mic is yours. Absolutely. Well, as far as what's coming up, like in UFC, who knows? I mean, I find the schedule tough to keep track of these days. It's like I look at a card and it's like, oh, I didn't realize Jonathan Martinez was fighting tonight. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, thanks again for, for having me on. It's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Uh, your listeners can find me on Twitter at Nick Baldwin MMA. Uh, go download the score app. You can find all my coverage over there in the MMA section. Always do recaps for the for the big fights and, and news throughout the week. Features coming up for UFC 272. I got a, a column on Jorge Masvidal. Kind of we were talking earlier about his rapid rise and rapid decline or, or fall, so to speak, um, and, uh, and and just sort of how he might be able to bounce back from that in this fight, um, and, and just sort of the uh, the typical day to day news as well. So thanks again for having me, and uh, appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, yeah, thanks no for doubt. Yeah. On, yeah, thank you. And I will say, I have the score app on on my phone. Uh, whatever sport you're into, it is it is a really great app. It is like my go to. F- app for guess what check checking scores right during nfl season that 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 is my go-to uh real-time updates huge fantasy football player so yeah that is that is definitely one of my go-tos so yeah make sure you download that so you can check out all of nick's work over at the score adam i'll kick it over to you to do your usual social media spiel for our show and we'll get on out of here all right i'm flying through it today time sensitive uh Please, if you can, give us a five-star rating on Apple and or Spotify. We've got a, f- a few more. Um, the week just gone. It just, it's just makes me feel good to go on the app and see that we have a five-star rating. Um, if thank we you get very ten much more, that. If we get 10 more after this podcast, I'm going to hit Kevin Holland's DMs and start <laughs> shit-talking him. I'm going to download 10 Spotify accounts. Um, <laughs> Uh, at Punch Drunk Pod on Instagram, at Punch Drunk Pod underscore on Twitter. Uh, Lewis is killing it on there. He's actually a bit of a pest, but hey, he's doing the work. He's doing God's work over there on Twitter. Uh, Punch Drunk Pod on YouTube, Punch Drunk Pod on TikTok, and Punch Drunk Pod at gmail.com if you want to just tell us your troubles. But uh, thank you again, Nick. Awesome. So informative, making us feel stupid like most of our guests do. But, um, adds a little bit of professionalism to the pod which doesn't hurt every now and then because we can get very carried away <laughs> i mean it is it is called the punch drunk podcast after also yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of like what you, what you else were you expecting yeah exactly <laughs> exactly he gets it appreciate, appreciate it nick thank you for coming on man
Absolutely. All right, catches. Mexico!